right, so uh, it's been a while, and it's been a, it's been a long while since I've had to rant about something in particular in comics. So I decided to bring my soulmate in ranting, this one 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 of the people that I consider a true soul brother of New York, <laughs> my Italian pal here, Pete from Pete's Basement. I brought him in to play his own version of Princess Bride lying in the bed as I Peter Falcom a story. <laughs> What's up, bro? Happy to be here. And uh, careful with the compliments, man. They'll get you everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you butter him up for the bed. Um, as we talk about uh, a civil war in Marvel Comics, but not the civil war that most comic book fans know. A left of the middle civil war taken from the point of view of a five foot three stubby little bastard with murder for powers. Are you talking about me, bro? Already? You're talking about me like that? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking about a more a more cleaned individual. <laughs> <laughs> Who was once played played by huge jacked man. <laughs> All right. As we talk about Civil War from the comics, so everybody who's a big comic book fan, get your ears ready, because we're almost going to give you no back history on most of this stuff <laughs> as we go in raw. Hit the music. I'm your freak of the week. So, okay, Pete. All right. Pete, how's the basement been? Basement's doing pretty good, man. We, uh, we're doing some good things in the new year. We've got the Patreon up and running, and it's being very successful so far. That's we good, man. Few- yeah, man. It's, it's- Once I started getting more active with it, and I, you know, I always knew I should, and we started offering some pretty cool prizes, and we're still working on some more. So, looking forward to that. Getting uh, some prizes that include T-shirts and stuff, and uh, original art, and maybe even some comics to give away. <laughs> I like that shirt; it's very cool. Uh, we got a bunch of new T-shirts up already on the Represent site, and working on a few more that I'm just trying to kind of sketch out and see which uh, you know what I like and what I don't. Mm. But uh, I can tell you, one of them is going to be. TCP, that's going to read across the chest. I'm just not sure if I want it to go across or down. And underneath, in much smaller letters, it's going to say Tits Comics Pizza. Tits Comics and Pizza. I mean, if you can think of something else greater in life, I think Conan had it wrong, bro. I'm pretty well, sure it's not. you, you, you <laughs> got to understand that as a guy, no matter what age you are, as once you hit puberty, your priorities in life are sleep, <laughs> sex, and food. Their yeah. order of importance is all that changes. <laughs> it's like, that's, yeah. it. that's it. You know, we are very limited creatures. <laughs> we're, we're very simple. And I like being simple. It makes us easy to please. But what I've also pointed out is we're very bitchy. 
we call the wrong gender bitches. <laughs> We're very bitchy. That's why when you get two guys together, they talk about nothing of an importance. Not at all, because we can't handle it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You get ladies together, they can talk about some serious shit. Shit gets done. <laughs> all right. It's the truth. I mean, anytime me and my buddy are together, we're like, so, you want to get some chicken wings and get high? Yeah. <laughs> I've had too many conversations with friends that I've known for 20 plus years and didn't know what they did for a living because we never talk about work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, seriously. Yeah, I have like a vague concept of what some of my friends do for a living. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, because we never talk about serious shit. Um, <laughs> as of the time of this recording, by the time this recording releases, Endgame will have come out. It was most okay. likely amazing. Uh, <laughs> all right. Or I hated the fact that such and such happened. <laughs> you know, whatever. We did our prediction videos already, which is going to release right before... The weekend before the movie comes out, um, our prediction recordings video, our prediction mm -hmm. recordings. What I need out of you today, Pete, is I need you. All right. I need you to think of Peter Falk. I need you to the, think of Peter Columbo. Falk. Yeah, Columbo, and okay. Fred Savage. All right. Okay. This is this is not combination. Oh wait, 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 wait. Uh -huh. wait, wait. We're going back to the fucking Princess Bride? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, Pete, I want to tell you a story. Okay. <laughs> All right. Do, do you want to sit precariously by my bed? <laughs> if you want me by your bed, Pete, you know I'm always easy to go there. I'll, right. tell, you, I'll tell you what, bro. I've had worse by my bed or in my bed in my, uh, in my tenure of life so far. Because <laughs> uh, uh, I want to tell you a story about Marvel Comics Civil War. Okay, I remember Civil War. The the original Civil War when it yeah, was yeah. Cap and Iron Man and uh you know the Registration Act and everything. All that shit. Yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna hardcore history this one and go at it from another angle that not many people pay much attention to. Okay. I'll tell you the story of of uh the two Two, well, there was re really three major heroes, but I used the Wayback Machine and I can't remember one of their names. So I'm just going to narrow it down. Maybe I can help. Um, oh, maybe I can help. Uh, describe. Okay, well, no, the three, the three heroes involved, two of them weren't even superpowered. Okay. Two of them were the reporters, Ben Urich and another lady with a drinking problem. I forgot. They were, the, they were in the comic book issues Frontline Civil War. Okay, so it was, so for Civil War, the reporters involved were Ben Urich and Sally Floyd, and the entire story for Frontline with them was very different entirely. It was like a different theme and feeling altogether for the Marvel Universe and stuff like this, because it wasn't the high adventure comic book superheroes. It felt like they randomly switched to a super hyper realistic take on superheroes in the modern world. Now... Sally Floyd was an interesting character. We all know Ben Urich, and for those of you who didn't know Ben Urich, he's an old-fashioned, hard-nosed newspaper reporter who was trying to hold things together, working for the Daily Bugle at a time when they were like still struggling to sell papers as the internet was just killing them overall. And Sally Floyd was a reporter who had just recently lost her child, did a heartfelt piece on it, and went into... Uh, 
big interview talking about a, a, a situation that happened with a villain named Morrow. And these two reporters were front and center for everything having to do with the Civil War. Now, Civil War in the comics was very different from Captain America Civil War. Civil War in the comics was an incited incident caused when a young group of superheroes called the New Warriors went, who were stars of a reality TV show, went to go bust supervillains. One of the supervillains being a supervillain by the name of Nitro. Famous for being able to explode himself in a small area, like maybe like five, ten feet. When Nitro was confronted, he exploded in such a vicious and mass, unnatural way that it wiped out all of Stanton, Connecticut. Well, most of it in that regional area, killing easily 600 people and injuring more. And 62 of those people were children because he was right by a playground whose bodies were so destroyed they couldn't even identify, they couldn't even legitimately identify all the losses. The world was struck hard by this. So, of course, reporters were on top of this. And superhero registration was on top of everybody's mind. But now it was going to get pushed through that these guys need accountability. These caped and cowled people need serious accountability. They need to take, they need uh, uh, supervision. They need uh, to be watched. They need to be policed. And that was what was going to happen. And part of that was all the secret identities that are common in comics, not necessarily in the movies, but common in comics. The, super, the superhero identities had to be revealed to the world, or at least the local authorities, which... Any system in which they put these identities on could be accessed by your typical supervillain, which would put a lot of their loved ones at risk. So there was a lot of fight for this. And this is where Captain America and Iron Man divided, as Captain America took the side of against registration, that there needs to be another way because governments change and agendas come into play. And Iron Man, who is on the side of registration, for almost the same reason he was in Civil War which was in the movie Civil War, which was guilt, because he was faced with a woman who lost her child in Stanford, Connecticut. The difference is, is Iron Man didn't actually take any action having to do with the Stanford incident, but he felt just as guilty and just as responsible. What is to follow is my questioning on in all of this, the heroes were the ones who were being hunted for their actions. No one bothered to find out where Nitro went. No one bothered to find out how he was able to even do that. Because the New Warriors aren't novice idiots. They know who Nitro is, and they know how to contain that. So when they confronted Nitro in the middle of a street where it was an open space, it should have been a safe place to take down Nitro. And that was never taken into consideration. That yes, it's really fucked up to just say it was collateral damage. But in truth was, the truth was, the New Warriors weren't the criminals. Nitro was. And no one was looking for him. Because him blowing up doesn't kill him. He respawns every time he explodes. This is his power. No one seemed to care.
okay, I remember those. Yeah, it was uh, it was almost like it was inspired by Marvels from back in the day when Ben Yurick was reporting on what was going on and, you know, the rise of the superheroes. And they took it and made like an eight-issue miniseries. I remember that. And, the and third... how it... Oh, go on. I'm sorry, just like how it affects, you know, the regular populace and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And the third yeah, hero... The third hero is a hero I wasn't a fan of until that time because I was never a fan of Wolverine. But All as right. of Civil War, Civil War made me appreciate him more and everything about him because no matter what happens, he's the antithesis of everything wrong in comics. And this hurts me to say that because I hated him growing up because he was the... You know how every TV show has that fuck-up asshole loner guy who fucks up all the plans because he has to do it his way? Sure. In the early days of X-Men, that was Wolverine. So he just pissed me the fuck off. <laughs> As I recall, I don't know if it was episode one or maybe two, but it was very early on when Scott turned around to him and he's like, no, we're doing this. And he's like, I go where I want to go. Oh, you yeah. mean in the 90s cartoon? Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, he, I mean, let's face it, that was the be-all, end-all of X-Men for us when we were kids. Yeah, well... That I, was I, like, that was Jim Lee shit animated. Yeah, but I go back a lot farther with... You gotta remember, I learned to read off of comics. That so, is true. I, so I, I read comics that were around before my time. So, like, I started with the X-Men back when it was the initial five. Okay. Yeah. And then the transition... I missed the comic... Where it was uh, where they went with all new, all different originally came in because that was an annual, I believe. Right, it was uh, a giant size giant special. Size one. Yeah, it was a giant size special edition. So it was like that issue happened, and I caught the normal uncanny after it. <laughs> you know, but I was with them for a while, and Wolverine was a pain in my ass. Little known bit about Wolverine, it was just a quick split decision, and we would have had. Uh, Thunderbird instead of Wolverine. Because they had to decide which one of those guys, it was one of them were going to die. One of them were going to die. Because they were basically the same personality. So one okay, of them Okay, yeah, but Thunder, like, nobody, like, there's like 10 people that know Thunderbird. Now the, maybe more because the gifted was on. Yeah, but back then there was only like 10 people that knew who Logan was. He, he was yeah, not, I guess so. He was not popular. He was a nobody. Right. He was that's why he ended up in X-Men cuz he was a nothing character that nobody cared about, so they managed to take him and put him in X-Men. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so he was just as disposable as Thunderbird. And it was just a quick, easy passing decision why we got Wolverine instead of Thunderbird. Cuz they had the same personalities and very similar powers. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anyway, back to subject matter. And please, feel free to interrupt me and question in awe of the stupidity of Civil War all you want. I'm, I'm very curious where you're going with this. Okay. So, to give everybody a primer, Civil War in the comics is very different from the movies. Because yeah. in the movies, it was a story about Captain America, really. It really was. You know, a lot of people were deluded into the belief that it was a moral decision between Captain America and Iron Man. No, it was all about Captain America's right, Iron Man's wrong, because you based who was right off of how they behaved and what their actions were. Captain America's right. motivations were out of loyalty 
defense of his friends and people and what they stood for. And Iron Man's all came out of guilt and emotion. So Iron Man was a secret antagonist through the movie to be revealed as the bad guy at the end. <laughs> right. The Russos were brilliant in manipulating the audience into believing that there were there was two heroes at war here. Right? Now the comics in, did a much better job in making you really sit and wonder whose side am I on here? But at the I expense think. at the expense of the personality and characters. Because they they assassinated the, so many characters throughout throughout Civil War, so many characters because so many characters were out of character basically. We're completely out mm. of character. Captain America was too extreme. Iron Man was a villain, you, which you'll learn as this as I as I get to the end of this. So, the inciting incident in the movie was the the the, the death of a bunch of Wakandans in a building. The inciting incident in the comics, yes. The inciting was incident. the death of a bunch of kids at, a, at a grammar school. 600 people died, 60 of them kids, in Stanford, Connecticut, incited when the new warriors went to go stop a bunch of criminals. The, and the first character assassination happened because they treated the new warriors like rookie losers. Yeah. Even, even though the new warriors had been heroes for well over a decade at this point. You know, and fought the likes of cosmic beings such as Terax the Destroyer. You know, it's like, come on. And they ran into Nitro, who has the power to explode. But surprisingly, he had more of a power to explode than he has ever displayed in his entire comic book history because he was able to take out uh, like an eight block radius, which that's not Nitro's explosive radius. He's a lot weaker than that. You get but it? Didn't, he give, didn't he give Captain Marvel cancer? Yes, and he held on to that as a rep thing too. Ah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't intentional. With a little twist on it, this some shit you can two step on it. Body language is louder than words. Okay, so we were talking about Nitro and his abilities and stuff like that. So I'm going to take a moment to tell you a little bit about Nitro. Nitro's powers, as uh, not many people knew, were the result of uh, genetic reengineering by the Kree, allowing him to turn into gaseous states and explode with a large, tremendous force equivalent to like 350 pounds of TNT which was under this situation even more it was multiplied for some strange reason which I get to in this discussion uh, he can reconstitute himself and uh, explode discrete portions of his body which he constantly did you for instance he would challenge he would channel his explosive power into his hands so he could punch and kick uh, delivering a great impact equal to 10 pounds of TNT um, uh, he could also direct his explosive power like a claymore and other such things. But overall, in his history, uh, Nitro, Robert Hunter, he's been defeated by the likes of Omega the Unknown, um, the original male Captain Marvel, Spider-Man, Daredevil and a couple of cops. And, you know, and it went on and on and on. So for him to be the big trigger point for this was a really outstanding standout thing in which, you know, the new warriors who their history dates back really far. They had people on their team, not in this version, such as uh, Nova and Night Thrasher, although Night Thrasher was in this version of the team. Um, 
Yeah, uh, Night Thrasher, Microbe, um, uh, Namorita, Speedball. These were people on the New Warriors, on this version of the New Warriors team. And with the exception of maybe Microbe, a lot of them were very experienced people. And Nitro on this situation was teamed up with Cobalt Man, Speed Freak, Cold and Coldheart. So it was a pretty much they were going they should have won this confrontation under normal circumstances. It would have been a slam dunk. They would have just dunked on these guys and it would have been a done deal. But it didn't go that way in this situation. Namorita slammed Nitro into an empty into an empty slammed him into the side of an empty Namorita slammed Nitro to the side of an empty school bus and he gave her a taunt like telling her she's playing with the big boys and he went off. He blew up, killing everybody in the New Warriors except for um, Speedball, which that's an interesting story because Speedball absorbed the entire kinetic force of that explosion and that sent him hurtling away into a bad storyline. So, yeah, so like, and then all of this, like, the world being on the edge where they were on the cusp of talking about superhuman registration as a thing was because only months before this, Nick Fury, using his authority in the comics, Nick Fury using his authority in the comics, talked a handful of superheroes, including, I think, Spider-Man and Wolverine and a couple of others, into crossing into sovereign borders of Latveria and basically causing an international incident. Nick Fury, he, he disappeared, and the heroes caught the flack for it, and they didn't know they were doing this. They didn't know this wasn't a thing they should be doing. But the actions of the heroes were the ones who were blamed, and that's why registration was on the table to begin with as a thought. Once again, Nick Fury wasn't the one that was put on the hot spot, but the heroes were. The subject for superhuman registration in comics was forced upon the heroes because they wanted a plot to put forward. And while that's happened several times, what ensues, what follows with this plot is a lot of deep mischaracterizations of several characters throughout all of Civil War that change them into belligerent lunatics for themselves, such as... Uh, famed slinger, well, little-known member of the Slingers, which was a bunch of uh, Spider-Man-themed cast-offs, uh, Prodigy, who went on a drunken, belligerent build bender, superheroes fighting each other in the streets, not superhuman fights, but superheroes, like everyone on the battlefield were superheroes, and they were fighting tooth and nail to beat each other like they were fighting villains. And this is what had become of the world, and everyone was okay with this. Brilliant minds like Tony Stark, Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four, Hank Pym, and such were all okay with this. And a lot of the readers who liked it at the moment were just caught up in the spectacle, but or a little young. But those of us who had time to get to know these characters were a little taken back and just not liking where it was going. Even Captain America was out of character because he was very extreme, belligerent, and quickly prone to violence as his only answer. And it took till the end of Civil War till his eyes turned around. It's just really fascinating to see how this all takes place and how no one noticed something was wrong. <laughs> 
he he holds that as his like claim to fame, which comes up a lot. Now, so Nitro technically is the guy who incited the incident and killed all these people, not Scarlet Witch. They like in the movie, they blame the they blame the new warriors because they went in for TV purposes and stuff like that. Right, they were doing some sort of like uh, uh, a reality show. Yeah, which led right. to the government. Oh, I forgot about that. Which led to the government reacting off of the back of uh, some stupid shit Nick Fury did months ago in Latveria. You know, saying that we need to put these superheroes on lockdown. We need to register them. We need to do all this bullshit. We need to. And that leads to Iron Man and Captain America taking all the competent heroes of the Marvel Universe that are available and playing punch face with them. (laughs) You know, and let's Mm -hmm. be villains for a week so badly that the villains don't know what the fuck to do. Normally when shit like this would go down, back in the 80s, the villains would run roughshod and that would wake the heroes up and they'd be like, yo, what are we doing? And then they'd go back to punching villains. Mm-hmm. But that's not what happened here. Instead, you got heroes fighting heroes. You know the whole story. I'm not going to go into yeah. that. That's where, no, Wolver- that's where Wolverine comes in. Because Wolverine says, but what about Nitro? <laughs> Right, he went after him in his own book. Yes, that's where I'm going to go. Yeah, I have those issues. Okay, I remember this. Yeah, Yeah, but you're missing a lot of details. All right. All right. Because between between Ben Urich and Wolverine, we find out the real villains of Civil War. All right, the real villains. Because there's dastardly shit going on. As Wolverine goes on a one-man vendetta, Against the X Men because everybody was stupid. Everybody, I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah, everybody was like, "Oh, leave Nitro alone. The authorities will go after him." Oh, leave Nitro alone. The authorities will go after him. The X Men yeah, are like the only one. The only one you leave alone is Virginia because she's not like you. You go after fucking Nitro's ass. He just killed six hundred people. Yes, yes. Um, and nobody was interested in it. Iron Man told him to back off. The X-Men told him to back off. Everyone told him to back off. And Wolverine was like, no, I'm still Wolverine. I'm the only one still being me in all this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because nobody, because Captain America would have went after Nitro. A thousand Absolutely. times out of a thousand. He wouldn't have had time for this Civil War argument. He would have went after Nitro. Because whenever government shit gets in the way of his shit, he ignores it and goes, handles his job. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Mr. Fantastic would have been like, oh, 600 people died. The inciting cause of it was Nitro. We need to find a way to lock that down. Instead, he started fan-worshipping Iron Man and doing whatever Iron Man said, abandoning his wife and his best friend. Because Thing was like, yo, fuck you, Reed. I'm going to France. And, Mm -hmm. And Sue just fucking left him. All right, so I noticed in all of this discussion, I keep talking about people in their first name basis. Sue, Reed, Johnny, Ben, Tony, and all in all. Okay, so I, for a lot of these superheroes, they're first name basis to me. Sue, Reed, Ben, Johnny, they are the Fantastic Four. They have not appeared in MCU, but they have appeared in two of their own movies, which were not of critical success, and one other movie, Fan Forstick, which was of awful success. We did talk about that, the history of the Fantastic Four in movies in a previous podcast. So, so Sue Richards 
is the invisible woman whose powers are to turn invisible and make force fields and stuff like that. Reed Richards is Mr. Fantastics with with uh, amazing powers to elongate himself. He's also a brilliant scientist, one of the most brilliant people in the Marvel Universe. Um, able to confront and outthink celestial entities of immense power such as Galactus, who also hasn't appeared in the Marvel Universe yet. And Ben, who I mentioned here, I don't think I actually mentioned Johnny, but Ben is the human thing. He is a man made up of orange rocks with immense strength and phenomenal durability. Like, in every fight Ben has went in, he's almost never given up or gone down easy. He may not be the strongest son of a bitch, but he definitely is the toughest, most stubborn son of a bitch. Um, I personally like him a lot in current years. When I was little, it was give or take him. Now, they have been in the Marvel Universe. They are the first family of the Marvel Universe in the comics. They were one of the first super teams, if not the first super team. I'm not sure. I think they were the first super team, the Fantastic Four. And they fought the likes of Marvel's most dangerous villains, including Doctor Doom and Galactus. They've, they've pacified the Silver Surfer. They have saved the entire universe repeatedly they've gone to far off flung dimensions and alternate areas of space and so this civil war thing it's 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 kind of reductive to them you know they usually are on the outside of events that are this grounded in reality because they are not reality based people like they are the Johnny Quest family of the Marvel Universe. They go on, they are the adventure family. They are family. Sue and Reed are married. Johnny Storm, who's the human torch, who has the ability to turn into fire and expel fire and fly and has the Nova capabilities of the sun. Johnny, Johnny is hospitalized at the time and uh, and it's Sue's brother. Johnny is Sue's brother. Ben is Reed's best friend. They are a tight-knit family, and there's children involved. Reed has two children. I think one at this time, maybe two. I'm not sure. But because they don't come into play too much because Sue leaves him. Just ignore the existence of the kids. Reed may not be socially a genius, but he is academically a genius and morally a genius. That was what separated him from Dr. Doom. When it came to moral decisions and compunctions, he was always ahead above Dr. Doom. And the fact that he was brought in practically serving under Iron Man, doing whatever Iron Man needed to do, Tony needed to do, was kind of reductive for him. And he participated in making the Guantanamo Bay of the Marvel Universe, Prison 52, 42, 42, in which was in another dimension. So they would capture superheroes who didn't apply to the registration and lock them up in another dimension without any kind of due process whatsoever. It was ridiculous. And they were all okay with this. On top of it, um, they were using villains to hunt down these superheroes. And not just villains that they coerced and forced technologically, physically, and psychologically to hunt down these heroes. It was a ridiculous turn in the Marvel Universe. It was, it was crazy. It was weird. And Reed was down with this. His wife was against it, and he didn't seem to bat an eye to that. And Ben, his best friend, said, screw it. I'm going to France because... 
in all this hubbub that's going on in America, it didn't seem to phase the rest of the world. France was still strong with using superheroes and whatnot. And so it was it's it's very insular. And so that left us kind of weird. It was a odd taste to have in your mouth. And this was the Fantastic Four during Civil War. Another characterization that was just oddly handled. You know, so everybody started acting out of character. Everybody on both sides. All right. So right. that's why I okay. said don't pick a side with Civil War because both sides are wrong because nobody's acting like a hero. That's that's why I believe the Russos could not do Civil War in the movies the way they did it in the comics because they would have to assassinate these characters. Do you think that they did a better job in the movie than they did in the comics? In many ways, because they narrowed, because comics were focused on writing for trade instead of focusing on, on what they always did, which was character first and story. So they just wanted an event. So as usual, they twist and turn people's personalities to make the event work. Just mm -hmm. the same thing happened in Civil War too, because that was dumb. Yeah, with Captain Marvel. Yeah, that was ridiculous. That was dumb. That was way worse than the first one. It was exactly as bad. In fact, it used all the same beats. Have a captain argue against Iron Man, throw away their personalities to focus on these relevant issues, never actually face the issue, and then kill a black superhero. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who, who died? Oh, you're right. Yeah, fucking War Machine died in Civil War too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And somewhere along the way, insult Thor. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I mean the whole fucking clone thing, yeah, which I mean, was it me or was it like I just got kind of blindsided by the whole Thor clone thing in that story? Yeah, because I don't know, like all their brilliant minds. You had Hank Pym, Iron Man, and Reed Richards, and their brilliant minds came together and created a Thor clone. They had the ability to do that, and they still have problems fighting people like the Wizard. <laughs> <laughs> right? Are you fucking kidding me? They can clone a god, but they're stopped in their tracks by the fucking wizard and the frightful four. Are you fucking kidding me? You can't you can't not like you can't take a dude with a helmet like that seriously. You can if he can beat a guy who can make a god. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you wear. He makes it fashionable he, if he's a guy who can beat a guy who can make a god. Anyway, back on track. Go so on. Wolverine goes on this long journey tracking down Nitro. So he starts in Stanford. He tracks his trail. And along the way, he runs into uh, Atlanteans who try to stop him from getting Nitro. All right. Atlanteans. Why are Atlanteans involved? Very simple answer. Namorita was the first one to die by, um, by Nitro's explosion. And so... That's Submariner's sister, Submariner, yeah. the Aquaman of uh, Marvel is what we got to call him now, even though he came first. <laughs> yeah. you know? he, he came very first. Yeah. He came before anybody else. He's one of the few characters that Marvel got ripped off of. <laughs> you know, they usually do the ripping. You know? That's true. <laughs> um, and, you know, I always thought his first appearance was Marvel Comics issue one, and it's not. It's such an obscure little issue. Yeah, it was way back what when. Was he was like an eco Four color comics or something like that. Forget what the hell it's called. It was like 1939. It I was... can I have to look it up. I don't remember what it is. Go on. 
Okay, I'll, so I'll so he confronts this dreaded out black guy who's genetically made to look like a dreaded out black guy when he's really a, uh, an Atlantean, and they have a throwdown. It's a vicious fight. It go, it, you know, and it ends with Nitro, I think, going boom and blowing Wolverine down to his skeleton, and you know, yeah, Wolverine doing his thing, you know, healing better than he ever could heal, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying because his healing factor's gotten out of hand. And he keeps going after him. And when he finally narrows down Nitro, um, whatchamacallit, Nitro tries to explain to him that he's on MGH. You can't, you know, you can't yeah, fuck with him. mutant growth hormone. I remember that. And that's why his boom is so much bigger. And, and Wolverine's like, who, I don't care what you're on. And he's like, no, it's bigger than me, dude. It goes back farther than me. And, uh, and Wolverine stops because he can see that this guy is telling the truth. That there's something I've been more. Trying to get a bigger boom for years, but like those pills never work. The ones in the back of the magazine, <laughs> I even bought a book on how to make it big, but all it talked about was real estate. I I don't get it. Uh, yeah, well, he, <laughs> he he got a big boom for his buck, but he wasted it on children. The creepy guy. All right, so. It's obvious that Pete and I are talking about two different things. I'm talking about MGH, and he's talking about some kind of other growth pill that he was trying to handle for his antsy pantsies. Um, but it, both of them are kind of blue pills, so he was right, because MGH is a blue pill. MGH in the Marvel comic universe is mutant growth hormone. It was uh, basically a... Uh, and it's a serum or a pill that would activate mutations and powers in people who didn't have it. And for those who did have powers, it would elevate them, expand them, multiply them. The, the first person to, known to have like do this to isolate the mutant growth hormone was a beast from the X-Men. Uh, while working for a corporation in Long Island, he was trying to make a serum that was uh, that would act as a catalyst for activating latent mutations. Um, and so that's what caused him to grow fur all over his body and turned his ears canine. And he grew more fur over his body and turned his ears canine and nails into more pronounced sharpened forms. It also provided him with more senses and a better healing factor. Basically, he got upgrades. So, um, dealers and users got their hands on it, and uh, it allowed these unknown parties to provide people with an experimental drug that gave people powers. Some powers similar to known superheroes like Cyclops and Daredevil. Um... It also made people extremely aggressive. Uh, the, 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 the MGH gained even more massive prominence uh, in the hands of uh, the Owl, who was a crime lord uh, in the comics. And he began refining his own genetic material to obtain the, dr uh, the drug so he can sell it more and build a new criminal empire off of the profits. Daredevil put an end to that. Um, it was all over the place. Uh, Vanisher was selling it. It was in, um, it was in, uh, it was in some Jessica Jones stories. It, it was all over the place. Even one of the young Avengers, 
uh, was a regular user of MGH because he had no superpowers. Patriot. He had no superpowers. He was there, Captain America. Only thing, no super soldiers there. He was just a badass. He lied to his friends and teammates, claiming he inherited his grandfather's powers via blood transfusion. But it was revealed that, no, that wasn't the case. He wasn't. Um, he later did receive an actual blood transfusion from his grandpa, grandpa that gave him the true powers of a super soldier, which was kind of a cop-out, but, you know, it skipped the nonsense. Um, and basically, that's what Nitro was using. Nitro was using MGH. It increased his power level, which an- allowed him to obliterate Stanford, Connecticut. And uh, we're going to get into it in a moment because, like, it's interesting because at this point, MGH was harder to come by. It had been hit down hard by a lot of super people. So how did he get his hands on MGH? The mystery continues as we move forward. <laughs> that's so you know in the when you put those sentences together in that context yeah that's frightening yeah it gets dark. by the way uh real quick namor's first appearance was motion picture funnies weekly april 1939 which means he superman only beat him by a right. month yeah no 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 because superman was 1938 superman was 38 yes you're superman right was, and he's you are right Way Ooh, back, Michelle. God, I have to fucking cut my geek card in half for that one. <laughs> You're right, uh, but he did beat Batman. He beat Batman by a by a ye- by, by two a years. Month or two. Because uh, no, Batman that, came uh, out in 1941. Was, Batman one did, but Tech 27 was uh, was I think May of 39. Was Detective Comics? Yeah. Okay, you're most likely correct because Batman one was 1941. Which was also the first appearance of Joker. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I, I remember looking this up because we just they just hit uh, Detective 1000. And the issue for Tech 27 was dated in March, but it came out in May, which is, you know, you, you, you remember when we were kids and the comics was always like two months ahead of time? <laughs> this uh, shit, it was just delayed two months. I don't know. That's just the way it goes. Mm, yeah. Um, what's your McCall? All right. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Nitro's hopped up on MGH. Yes, yeah, so he's hopped uh, up on MGH, and Wolverine wants to get the information. Long story short, Wolverine finds out his supplier is the CEO of Damage Control. All right, so wow. The CEO of Damage Control. Now. <laughs> Now, I know right now, uh, Damage Control at this point in the MCU appeared as the guys who were doing cleanup after the Avengers battle, and they first appeared in Spider-Man Homecoming. And uh, in there, they showed, they had someone playing Miss Anne-Marie Hogue, which was the original CEO, the original founding member of Damage Control, and it was originally owned by Tony Stark and the Kingpin Wilson Fisk, each owning half the stock in the company. Um, and, and at the time, you know, Stark wasn't down with working with the criminal, uh, but they had to handle their own difficulties and that was their own drama. But damage control itself had a long history of, uh, of being in the middle of breakout situations and battles and they would clean up such as when, uh, Silver Surfer and Galactus would show up. There would be 
great devastations that would take place. Um, but it was during this period, damage control was suffering. Their 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 stocks were going low. Uh, uh, what you call it? Uh, they were not doing as well. So they damage control fell under a new uh, new CEO, a new person. Oh yeah. So at the, yeah. So during this time, damage control uh, during Civil War. After Nitro had blew up Stanford, they were called in to clean up. And Walter Declan was uh, the CEO, and he provided, he specifically provided Nitro with the mutant growth hormone. You know, and uh, that's a big deal. And all of this is uncovered by Wolverine. Wolverine is the great detective of this because he's the only one tracking down a villain and following to find out what was the cause of this inciting incident because a lot of this was out of the ordinary. It didn't sit right with Wolverine. He did what these superheroes normally do. They go after the supervillain. They track him down. They see what happened. They see the evil behind it, and they handle it all. The thing is, is this all fell under the hands of Wolverine, who, in the end, will just handle it quietly himself the way Wolverine does. A couple schnicks and the baggies are over. I mean, even Wolverine dragged this out a little longer than usual, but in the end, it doesn't get any open play, any open... No one really finds out about this. That's a big freaking deal. Like, it, it did affect damage control, like, because some people discovered it, but everybody was in the way. Everybody was caught up playing punch face with each other. Nobody cared about the guy who actually killed 600 people and 62 kids, you know... Or the company that supported this action. That was Civil War. Huh. Damage control was in the red for a while. Because heroes were, I guess, safer. <laughs> you know, they were a little bit more careful. And what happened was... Uh, powers and seats started changing hands and the CEO and the new CEO of damage control took over. And, um, so he stepped over the, the fat white haired lady. Right. <laughs> and, um, and he started arranging incidents that would cause collateral damage that would get them to come in. So he supplied, so he was basically, he was drumming up business for damage control. Yes. He supplied Nitro with the MGH, and this whole Civil War thing made uh, 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 Damage Control's books go straight into the black. They were doing great. They were doing the best during Civil War. Damage Control was on top. Now, think about it. I did not read as far as Damage Control. It's very interesting. Think about it. This is all Wolverine's comic in Civil War. Think Mm. about this. This kind of shit is going on. This very basic bitch detective shit. This is, if Wolverine found it out, it's basic bitch detective shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, right. not, he's not exactly Peter Falk as Columbo, let's face it. <laughs> All right? Because he usually kills the guy before he gets the info. That's why he's right. not effective. But he found this out. And he came after the fucking, the, the fucking uh, uh, damage control guy hard. He started attacking their businesses, making their freaking um, 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 stock buyers drop out and stuff like that. He was hitting them from all angles, 
Meanwhile, everyone was telling him to back off. Maria Hill was given all of the information along with Stark and still told Wolverine she's not interested. It's not what's important. We got to catch ourselves these heroes. Because somewhere along the line, Wolverine gets caught by S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes, I remember that. Did they make him an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Shield? Uh, that's later. Now, he escapes S.H.I.E.L.D. because S.H.I.E.L.D. is stupid for some strange reason. Once again, completely out of character because Maria Hill is supposed to be right. smart and very well researched on these heroes. So she puts a, 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 a power negation collar on Wolverine, puts super cuffs over his hands and brings him onto the deck and starts talking the business to him. And Wolverine straight up tells her, woman, I'm two steps from popping my claws out of these cuffs, taking your gun and shooting my way out of here. She's like, good luck with that. I've got a power dampener on you. And Wolverine had to give her once again, the basic information. He's like, there's a common misconception people have about my powers. There's a difference between powers and mutation. My powers are healing and senses of smell and all this bullshit. My mutation, my deformity, is these fucking claws coated in adamantium. (laughs) (laughs) As he fucking pops his claws, rips out of the cuffs, takes her gun, and shoots his way out of the helicopter. As he should. Excuse me, one second. As he should. And on his way down, he cuts his way out of the collar so that he can survive. Nice. (laughs) You know, because... uh, some more basic bitch shit. By the way, Iron Man was a room away. <laughs> he was a room away. I guess he couldn't be bothered. He was busy being the other supervillain in this entire yeah, story. Really. So Wolverine basically uncovered this entire conspiracy by uh, Damage Control, which is a government-backed, funded organization that went public you know, that went from private to public that cleans up after super people mess. Right. And Wolverine is the one who uncovered it. Any other series a decade before this one, this would have been the main topic. We wouldn't have been focusing on um, putting Speedball, the last of Ditko's creations, in a fucking pain suit. Okay, so this is one of the this 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 was uh, something in my craw because Speedball was one of the last creations of of uh, Steve Ditko, co-created with Tom DeFalco, I think. Um, and while he isn't the most amazing characters, he's he's a fun character, and Civil War specifically assassinated him. Speedball was a member of the New Warriors, as I think I stated in a previous footnote. And he was one of one of the only survivors of the Stanton, Connecticut incident. Um, his powers are the reason he survived. Because uh, his, his powers are unique in the fact that he can absorb kinetic force and impact. So the explosion, it didn't kill him. It Fucked up his powers, but it didn't kill him. And um, Robbie Baldwin, Speedball, uh, was arrested and put on trial. Uh, He was originally presumed dead, but when he was found uh, and came out of his coma, he was placed in federal prison. His mother disowned him. He discovers his powers were still functional, 
And when he was taken to the new penitentiary called the Negative Zone Prison Alpha, uh, Reed Richards offered him a chance to testify before Congress. And then he was shot by an assailant and taken away in an ambulance, and he recovered from the wound. These are all the dramatic shit that went on in his, uh, his story. This is what happened to Speedball. Um... Overcome by guilt and driven nearly insane by his treatment, um, he had a new suit built by him. A suit that he had because his powers were now based on pain. Yes, his powers of kinetic absorption would only be activated when he felt pain. So when he had his new suit built, he had it built and he had 612 internal spikes. The number of victims that died to Nitro. 612 put in his suit to trigger his powers and then he decided to recall himself penance and he was assigned to the thunderbolts which was marvel's suicide squad you know their closest their closest thing to suicide squad this um this 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 was ridiculous he was so emo dark it just wasn't, it, it, it was, oh, it, it was a, oh, like, the costume was fine on another character. This wasn't Speedball. I mean, thankfully today, he returned to using his Speedball identity, and he's part of a, he became part of the Avengers Academy teaching staff, and then he joined the New Warriors new team, you know, but he went through a lot, and it was a lot of bullshit. It was more... He was more fodder for... He was more character fodder for the Civil War. This is the House of Ideas at work here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We wouldn't have been focusing on a fight between Iron Man and Cap on the idealistic issues of registration for secret identities when literal sociopaths will kill their families. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, come on. When this could have all been handled by Captain America and Iron Man shaking hands and Captain America agreeing to train superheroes from this point on. Like the What If book showed. Like the What If Civil War show. Oh, I never read that yeah, one. What happened been, there? Uh, Civil War was stopped in a discussion. So like what if Civil War you know War when they was, met up, you know, ended peacefully? Yeah, it was a What If Civil War. What if Cap behaved like Cap, basically? You know the part where he goes to meet Iron Man peacefully and he has that joy buzzer that shorts out iron yeah. man suit in the what if comic when he's about to shake iron man's hand he remembers that that's not how he behaves that he's trusted for his word and what he stands for and iron man came here as a friend trusting him to talk and so i he's gonna hear him out who wrote this brian michael bendis so he because this sounds like it's gonna be a talking no. issue no, it wasn't. It was a good issue. And uh, uh, I think, wasn't Bendis more responsible for the actual Civil War? Yeah, that's why I thought he might have rectified it. Huh. So the what-if story I'm referring to is, I, it was a collection of, uh, of uh, Civil War what-if stories. And it was, I think in particular, what if Iron Man lost the Civil War? I think that was the issue it was. Basically... In the actual timeline, 
Iron Man was visited by a stranger at Arlington Cemetery where they supposedly were burying Steve Rogers after he died at the end of Civil War. Um, but the what if is basically, there's a point in Civil War where Iron Man and Captain America meet to parlay. And just in case, Captain America brought a device that he wore in his hand that when he shakes Iron Man's hand, it would disable his armor and they would be able to take him down. But in the reality, Iron Man had other alternative plans there for the meeting. Cap detected Iron Man's falsehoods and he acted on his plan B. In this what if, it went along the lines of what if Iron Man spoke from the heart and honestly spoke to Steve. And so Steve didn't go with plan B. And they spoke. They talked it over. And so in this situation, when the horrible thing that Tony and Reed created, which was a, a recreation of a Thor clone robot thing called Ragnarok, came down and would normally have killed Goliath, um, Iron Man was there to get in the way and stop it. And then instead of, and, he, and then Cap joined him and they all joined together and they beat the fake Thor and uh, they spoke it out. And they decided that instead of registration, they would have to agree on putting Cap in charge of like maintaining a lot of these identities and training these superheroes and uniting the heroes under one banner to make sure incidents like this don't happen. Basically training and regulating him, which makes sense because only months before when the Avengers confronted the new, the young Avengers, they put a stop to them and demanded that they go under training if they're going to be superheroes. And so if you would do that to, a, to the young Avengers, why wouldn't that work with this? And it brought on this golden age of heroes that united all the heroes under one banner. Every hero on the world, for the most part, united and became an Avenger. And they became a defense force for the entirety of the world, the dimension, the universe. It was amazing. It was... You know, heroes being heroes. And it would have been an interesting New Age arc for Marvel instead of what came out of Civil War, which was... All that followed out of Civil War was darkness. It was, uh, it was uh, Skrull Invasion, The Secret Invasion, Dark Reign, The Dark Avengers story, and then um, Siege. All these things were just bad things following after bad things after bad. Yeah, so what if, right? Yeah, yeah. So he had nothing to do with the friggin' what if book, <laughs> you know. Um, and then they talk, and he was like, "You know what? We can solve this without registration if we can trust the people who have the identities of these heroes." Because you know, when you if you got the guys, because Captain America could know the identities of these super right. people, absolutely. He could train these people. You know what I'm saying? And the initiative went off without a hitch differently. The 50-state initiative, it wasn't that freaking shady shit that was being done. Because I don't want to get into the initiative because that was another shady fucking backdoor shit. I barely read that because that was one of those ridiculous uh, weekly things that they tried to do, and I just could not keep up with it. If I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it was a weekly thing. Um, there was several initiative comics. There was like Initiative the Order, 
uh, Avengers, the initiative where they were training a bunch of new recruits. It was a lot of yeah. Um, I, maybe that was it. Wasn't maybe like, it wasn't like it was just a lot of fucking different side stories. I just couldn't keep up with it. Was it. A lot. It was a lot, and they could have reshaped the Marvel universe into something beautiful if they just kept these guys in character. All right, now there's the other half of the story because that's where Wolverine roundabout ends because pretty much he uncovered the whole. Oh, by the way, the CEO of Damage Control, he solved that problem by confronting him and stabbing him in the face. I mean, it gets the job done. He's like, this is for the people of Stanford. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, do you know how many problems that... I long to solve by stabbing people <clears throat> in the face? Do you have any idea how many times I literally fantasize about that almost all day long? I will harken back you might. to other arguments that I've had way back when and think about stabbing those people. I think if I do... You might need to chill the fuck out. <laughs> but if I do harder drugs, it'll amp me up and I'll be able to do this. Not harder drugs. You need to pull it back. Maybe maybe even less. Like Start putting some CBD oil in like your food. <laughs> I'll consider right. it. I suggest for you, go whole hog and get 1,200 milligrams of <laughs> CBD oil and put it in your food. <laughs> Chill the fuck out. I should dude. probably be comatose almost regularly, is what you're saying. It's probably beneficial. No, not comatose. Not comatose. Just chilled. Uh-huh. Just chill. Just a little. It's been a long time. Little, since take that weed. New York edge off. It's been a long time. <laughs> take that New York edge off. I never mess with the stuff. I never mess with the stuff. Not against it, but I've never bothered. It's gonna be legal soon. You watch. Which bothers me. Yeah, can, I, can I go off on a tangent for a hot second? <laughs> I'm telling you right now, though, right, it yeah. bothers me on a on not on a moral level. On a moral level, I'm ha- I'm pleased with the uh, you know the progressive movements of uh, the marijuana legality and everything. But on a personal level, it pisses me off because. People just be walking down the street blazing, and you smell it everywhere. I was at a taco truck on the street, and this dude walked up behind me, and I thought I was on fucking cloud nine because he's standing behind me. I'm like, yo, like I just want to like smell you, bro. Like, can I just follow you for a little while? <laughs> I love the smell. Of it. I really do. I'm, I'm, and I'm not disparaging that. <laughs> what I'm disparaging is, I remember back in my twenties during the height of my, let's call it, drug use, I had to hide in the shadows like vermin to just smoke a blunt with my boys. We got pulled out of cars <laughs> by cops and sat down on the curb like we were the worst criminals on God's green earth. And now these people just walking around. You, nah, you, you ain't put that work in. You did not fucking run from the cops because you were just smoking a J. Pete, Pete, Pete that's how I feel about porn. <laughs> All right. No, that, the six, I think it's a six year magazine, right? The six year difference between you and me makes porn a big difference. Like, <laughs> All right. Like when I was a teen, you know, you had to like find like magazine porn or like like stashes of porn or like porn left behind porn passed down through the ages. <laughs> yes. I did have a few of my father's old magazines. That is fact. That was, you know what I'm saying? Now, now, you know, it's just 
you just gotta sit up through the startup of your computer because you because here's another thing because even they don't even have to worry about the early stages of internet porn where you had to wait like an hour for a porn picture <laughs> you know what i'm saying or then remember or an, that or an hour the, like pictures loading like slowly but surely you just wait for a nipple to show up <laughs> yeah they, they just they don't even have to wait for the internet Sounds to go through, whatever, all that other nonsense. That bam, bam. And like the modem would just decide, like, I'm going to sing you the song of my people, and it's going to be mad loud throughout the whole house. Sometimes it, sometimes it wouldn't. And I, I didn't know rhyme or reason how to make it stop doing that. <laughs> I will tell you, though, that I went up Queens Boulevard, like, this was back in the, I'm 16 years old. My buddy was a year older than me, so he had his license, and we went for a drive. We went to get a porno. And so I picked something out. It was like Big Naturals something. I, was, I don't like Big Tits. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to deny Tits, comics, and pizza. That's, that's my credo in life. There's nothing better for me. So I paid a gentleman, and he hands me a video cassette tape, not even a DVD back then. And we go home. And he handed me the wrong one. So what I got was Black in the Sack 3. Not one, what the fuck? Not two. Black in the Sack 3. Where they went three times as hard. I mean, it was three of the hottest black girls you could ever lay your eyes on. And the, the last one was like the be-all, end-all. Like, she was like Beyonce with double Ds. It was really like <laughs> fantastic. But... Yeah, that was my very first actual porno that I bought, as, as opposed to just magazines or finding shit. So remember that, and that store wow. is still standing to this day. So there's a <laughs> there's a little history of Pete for you. Yeah, all this before the advent of Pornhub. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. Pornhub, which may one day take over, replace YouTube because Pornhub will let you put whatever on. Yo, they pay a fucking premium dollar for it too, not for nothing. They really do. They really? they pay you good money to fucking upload really? shit. If they put that really? shit on the site, yeah. You're looking at like a wow. grand. Serious. Yeah. Wow. Jesus. Oh, Mike might I might be hitting the pole. Hey, do that shit, bro. Make that paper, boo boo. However you need it. <laughs> so, I mean we got way off topic, but let's let's track it back to Civil War. <laughs> okay. All right. And and we're not talking about the the one that happened in the eighteen hundreds with Abraham Lincoln. We're talking about one slightly dumber. <laughs> All right. With Ben Urich now. Okay, so I'm going to skip past all the interview stuff that Ben Urich did to get a feel of Civil War and how it affected the civilians, because that'll only make you angrier. Right. Because we know that Captain America was always very in touch with how things affected people. Because he's a ground pounder. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't fly above things. He doesn't lurk in the shadows either. The guy is out red, white, and blue putting boot to freaking pavement. You know what I'm saying? This is the guy who did his 80s on Streets of Ice and free, <laughs> you know, and all sorts of shit like that. Fighting crossbones throughout the streets yep. of New from New York to Washington, D.C. All right. But he 
but it took him having an all-out battle with Iron Man to finally surrender because this is getting out of hand. Because that's when he woke up and turned back into Captain America. Yeah. When Civil War, that end in Civil War, when he looked around and saw that the people were terrified of him, that civilians tried to grab him and stop him, he was like, no, this is not who I am. But they made him out to look like the bad guy, whereas, like, rereading it with the omniscient viewpoint, we knew that Iron because Man was he, the bad guy. But, no, no, but you didn't know how bad Iron Man was. And no, Captain America was a bad guy in this, because Captain America was completely overly extreme. He was, he, come on, he was literally going to war with his brothers-in-arms and comrades. When Captain America literally has the power to talk just about any superhero down besides Iron Man. Mm. Iron Man is the only asshole in his cap that he can never talk down. Because Iron Man's ego is above everybody. Because Iron Man has the penchant to be able to find an excuse to punch any Avenger in the face. <laughs> yeah. Because Iron Man has punched every Avenger in the face. Including Batman? Batman too. Batman wasn't an Avenger. <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> I had to throw that shit in there. <laughs> he punched every Avenger in the face. One of the first Avengers he punched in the face was Black Widow. Wow, no shit. <laughs> it wasn't in the face, but he remember she used to be a bad guy. She was a bad guy, right? That's, so that's going yeah. back to like Tales of Suspense 50 when she first appeared. And, yeah. well, like 52. All dressed up and fancy. Yeah. When, you know, with the her, 60s, with her, so that shit was, like, regular, like, bang! And, you know, yeah. punching women left and right. Yep, 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 yep. And Tony did it a lot. He punched a lot of people. And during Armor Wars, he beat up Cap back then, remember? Yeah. Like, he got he got Cap to think that, that he gave up, that he's going to see the area of his ways, and he zapped the fuck out of Cap. All because... He wants to clean up the mess he did by committing a number of crimes because he wants to undo his drunk bender. Yeah. So <laughs> let's, let's just fuck shit up worse in order to clean up the first mess. Yep. Makes perfect the, sense. The only people he's hurting is his best friends. Perfectly the sign of an alcoholic. He had a problem. As <laughs> I go to take a sip of my whiskey. Okay, so here's what Ben Urich uncovered. Now... During this, Norman Osborn was prolif prolifically a member of the Thunderbolts as Green Goblin. Do you remember how he got caught and became a member of the Thunderbolts? Uh, no. He broke out and uh, was in custody for a little while, but then broke out of custody and then randomly went to a consulate where a bunch of Atlanteans were discussing shit and he bombed the fuck out of them. And then he got caught and was thrown on the Thunderbolts. Well, and here's what all of that led into Dark Reign eventually, right? Later, yeah. later, later, later. But, but it also it also pulled people's attention towards dealing with Atlantis because an incited international incident happened with Atlantis, which forced the 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 the, the government to try to go leaning lightly on all the heroes they arrested. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? Because now they're going to need some heroes because Atlantis is pissed. They they seem to try to do an Atlantis is pissed storyline every few years. Do you notice that? Yeah. Because they're trying Started to do one Atlantis right attacks. now. Namor is like out of his mind in the current issues. and uh, He's not He's not out of his mind. He's Namor. 
Well, yeah, fair enough. But no, he's talking <laughs> yeah. to somebody that's not there. Like he he's talking to. A he's dead doing that guy. again. Yeah, he's talking to a dead he's guy. He's doing that again. Wow, it's been a while. It's actually a fairly like I'm reading the Invaders miniseries right now, and I never thought I would like it. I I totally read it with the intention of saying this is garbage, but it's taking Captain America being our traditional Captain America, caring about his friends and trying to help, and he goes and gets Bucky and Jim Hammond, and he's like, listen, uh, Namor's off the rails, and we're the only ones who can bring him back. So, like, you know, it's all the invaders against Namor, but they're kind of trying to talk him down off of a ledge here. It's, it's a, a pretty fight, interesting Namor story. Namor is... Hella powerful. Yo, can I let me ask you because you have a lot of knowledge about shit like this that I do not. In this series, this was something that bothered me. Namor is at Nagasaki, nineteen forty. Uh huh. And he literally flies up into the explosion, like he punches the bomb because that's what he do. And then they see you. You see him later on with the refugees, like amongst them, just walking around. Is Namor powerful enough to survive a nuclear explosion? Absolutely. Really? It depends, because Namor's durability is wax and wane. I'm assuming because he was in the Pacific, he had just recently came out of the water. That means he's absolutely his toughest. All right. But after the nuclear explosion, he might have been fucked up so bad that he lost his fucking memory. Anymore. And that would be why when the Fantastic Four found him in uh, 61, when they did. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Oh, so he lost his memory. We, we don't know. We just see him amongst the refugees and we don't like... Because it'll dry him out drastically. Cause he can, because you got to also remember... The atomic bomb that went over... Uh, it was Hiroshima, you said, or Nagasaki? Uh, Nagasaki was the second one. The atomic bomb. Oh, oh, our message, our message to Russia, basically the second one. Yeah, yeah. Um, You're hitting me with history. I love history. Um, What's it called? Because you got to remember, those bombs were weaker than the bombs we used. Oh yeah, no, they were drastically weaker. They were twelve megatons as opposed to we're dealing with kilotons. And uh, back then, Namor coming out of the water was almost invincible to the weapons that existed to that day. Mm-hmm. Because you got to remember, in his first appearance, he bodied a sub. <laughs> yeah. You're right, he did. I I did in read fr- that online. You're right, he did. In his first appearance, he fucking bodied a sub. It wasn't nothing to him. You know what I'm saying? He was an unstoppable monster. It's just when he fights over land for too long, he gets weaker. That's that's something else that Aquaman stole from him. Because to be honest with you, originally with Aquaman, originally, like going back in the Wayback Machine, originally Aquaman wasn't Atlantean. Originally Aquaman was a, a human-born person out of two human parents who gave him the ability to swim and be all really capable. Yes. Wow, that's, it's that's just, a rewrite and a half that you never hear from DC. It's just Submariner was so fucking cool. They were like, we want that shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know? So they took all that shit. They took almost everything that was Submariner and threw it onto Aquaman. I, you know what's funny is I remember... Including his actor. Because Jason Momoa should have played Submariner. <laughs> I, right? could, I could see that. Yeah. I, like, if you want to toughen up Namor, you get Jason Momoa. It worked for Aquaman, for God's sake. 
No, forget that. Jason Momoa should have played Namor, and the guy who played Orin should have played Aquaman, if you want to go by appearances. The guy who played Ocean Master yeah. was basically Aquaman. Because Ocean Master has black hair, is also bigger and a little darker. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But they made him a they made him look like Aquaman. Patrick something. I, I forget his name. But uh, he's a good actor. He usually plays a douchebag. So he's... I love I love that guy, man. That he's the guy who makes me go watch the Conjuring movies. No, he, I'm about to say <laughs> yeah. he's the husband in the Conjuring. Yes. Yeah, he's also uh, the the owl in freaking um, um, uh, Watchmen. Yes, that's right. I forgot about that. Oh wow! So yeah, that's right. But the, look, let me take you on the way back machine for a minute. When Spider Man and his amazing friends somewhere in the, in that series, he teams up with Captain America, Doctor Strange. Namor and Shauna the Jungle Queen to take on the Red Skull. Right? Is that when they were doing? Is that when they were doing twelve little well, Indian? Then, yes, jokes? seven little superheroes. Yes, seven okay. little superhero jokes. Okay, all right. You're 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 hurting my brain. The brain is tingling. Yeah. Okay. Come with okay. me on this. Come with me. Seven, with- seven little superheroes, one by one. Each of them will fall when the day is done. Yeah. Something like that, right? Namor walks into a room with a giant swimming pool in it, and he's like, I will replenish my It was ammonia. With a dip. It was alcohol. It was alcohol, yeah. Like, I don't care if it was ammonia, it was alcohol, anything but water. How did you not smell it, bro? You just went and dove in. You just... Well, that's right up there with The Walking Dead. How do these walkers sneak up on them? They smell like rotting corpses and moan endlessly i what the fuck <laughs> right? no, I, you guys have honed senses to sneak up on living people the dead is sneaking up on you and they smell like dead <laughs> you have to assume everybody does because the show the tv show like leads you down a, a straight path they cannot they're not in a city they're not in a city they're out in the middle of the wilderness right the wilderness smells like doo-doo <laughs> all right and these people probably smell the same way they can't they're, they're not shaving. They're not washing regularly. This is like the fucking dark ages all over again. You are washing in piss pots outside. The show. I love you. The, I, lo- I love our focus on the dark ages. Meanwhile, the rest of the world was doing great. We we're just worried about one small part of Europe. Well, yeah. <laughs> to deal with the whole black plague and everything. Everybody else is like, hey. Yeah, China was doing great. China's always so great. Those motherfuckers. I'm being listened to uh, right now. I'm telling you. <laughs> anyway, here, like let me get back in, to uh, What is that shit? Uh, the first one was with Russia. The second one was with, like, North Korea or whatever when they invaded the U.S. I can't think of the title of the movie. Red Dawn. What are you talking about? Red Dawn. Red Dawn. Oh, that was so dumb, the second one. <laughs> I didn't even see it. I didn't watch it. <laughs> I didn't watch it either. Once I heard that it was North Korea invading us, I was like, if North Korea invades invades us, who's guarding North Korea? Because <laughs> they don't got the manpower for that shit. <laughs> South Korea just walks in. Look, I'm not gonna get into politics. No, no, no. We save that for another show. Yeah, yeah. Save that for another show. Politics with two assholes. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna clean up America. Is what we're gonna do. That's impossible. <laughs> That's impossible because. Every time you, you you remember in Incredibles, yeah. Every time I save the world, someone just goes messes it up again. That's impossible. <laughs> All right. That's a great line. I forgot about that line. Thanks for the yeah. reminder. Okay, so 
So Ben Urich uncovers, and here the, the, the let me let me take you on this road. All right, here we go. He, he uncovers that Norman Os- when he talks to Norman Osborne when he interviews Norman Osborne right after that, Norman Osborne says nothing to the, the authorities when he's caught. He's he says nothing. He's just raving lunatic inside his own face. Ben Urich knows that that's not how Norman Osborne is. Norman Osborne always says shit. So he looked into it further. Turns out that Norman Osborne was on was under control under the Thunderbolts control system. All right, I know this is generally not necessary for most of our listeners, but to clarify, Norman Osborne is the Green Goblin, a longtime career villain to Spider-Man, a corporate. Uh, a corporate version. It's like, what if you took Lex Luthor and the Joker and threw them together and stuck them on a glider where they threw bombs at each other, where they, he threw bombs at his enemies? That's exactly who the Green Goblin is. He he appeared in the movies in uh, Sam, Raimi, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 1, played by the incomparable Willem Dafoe in what was the closest thing to resembling a Power Ranger costume in the Marvel Universe. Um, He has a set of powers. He's an enhanced being and other things like that. Um, And that's basically who Norman Osborn is. That's just just to give people uh, who aren't in the know and understand. So basically, Tony took... Norman Osborn made him escape them, sent him to the Atlantean um, uh, delegate, and blew them up to incite an incident so that he can lessen the weight that's on the people he's rounding up with the Thunderbolt system. Wow. Yes. Tony murdered Atlanteans. Tony was a villain, dude. He was being a supervillain. He incited an international incident so it could go lighter on his buddies that he has to play punch face with. Huh. Yurik confronted him to his face with this. And Tony was two steps away from taking a drink. Laser in the club. I got my laser in the club. All right, so let's clarify things, because I was going off the top of my head with this with Frontline. Um, so I will make it pretty clear. When, when, when Ben Urich and Sally Floyd confront Tony, they basically bring a, bring a breakdown to what happened. And this is basically a breakdown of what the Civil War was. To make it simple, as uh, Sally Floyd did her recap, and I quote, 612 people killed in a tragedy at Stanford. As a result, a dubious proposal for a dubious law rushes through the House and the, Sen- and the Senate like it was shot out of a cannon. It passes before anyone can blink. Those in violation of the act, and, and there are many who don't even have time to decide how to react, are shoved into a secret prison and an undetermined location. Reports suggest the conditions in this gulag are far harsher than can possibly be justified, especially considering its inhabitants are all former heroes, many of whose services to their communities are beyond question. The pro-registration leaders then decide, in their infinite wisdom, 
to enlist the services of some of the world's most violent criminals, the Thunderbolts, to help track down their former comrades and send them to their fate. As if this logic-defying events weren't enough, everyone acts surprised when one of these lunatics goes rogue and accidentally sparks a war with a foreign nation. Now, they confronted Tony, saying that they discovered they know that Tony knew there was a traitor. And in the end, they accused Tony of being the actual traitor. And their proof was quite simple. As he said, it was preposterous. As Tony responded to these accusations as it was preposterous, Ben responded saying it's not true. A couple of routine background checks revealed that Tony's knowledge of certain events, such as Osborne's attack on the Atlantean delegation, was used to manipulate the stock market to the tune of over $90 million. But here's how, but, but, but he wasn't done there because now here's where it gets even further interesting. As uh, Ben says, and I quote, Further investigation revealed the money was rerouted through a Swiss bank account and placed into a new charitable organization providing pensions for firefighters, police, and now registered heroes and their families. Ben continued and said, we, we kept thinking to ourselves, why would Tony intentionally try to make it look like, make it look this bad? What would we do if we were ever in the unenviable position of having to persuade a bunch of high-powered people to register their identities. Sally retorted with, I know what I'd do. I'd build, I'd build a nasty prison in an undisclosed location that really put a scare into those unregistered heroes. Most likely, they'd wonder how come we never made anything like that for the villains. Once the internal situation deteriorated, I'd use the Civil War as a pretext. I'd send the unregistered heroes there for a while just to test it out. And when the dust settled, I'd have a brand new mega prison paid for and agreed to by the government. And I'd grant the heroes amnesty like it was going out of style, seeing as how he's now in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. Tony continued to deny it, saying it's an exotic story, but it doesn't make any sense. Yurik followed through with saying he thought so too, but why would anyone be crazy enough to coerce the Green Goblin into attacking a foreign delegation on a diplomatic mission? Why push us to the brink of yet another war? Unless you were so smart that you already weighed the pros and cons and calculated the outcome, what the outcome was going to be. See, the most obvious question was because in the entire thing, see, what I got wrong was Tony bombed other Atlanteans before this, but when he attacked the delegation, he, not Tony, sorry, Norman attacked, uh, when Norman bombed other Atlanteans before that, that was a separate thing. He did that as the Green Goblin. But when Norman, Green Goblin, attacked the Atlantean delegation, he wasn't in costume and he did it with a pistol, injuring one of them, but none of them died in the delegation. So what, what uh, Ben continues, Ben Urich, the reporter, continues. He says the most obvious question was why a man like, what, like with Osborne's physical strength would make his weapon of choice an ordinary old pistol with a warped barrel, hardly an effective weapon against an Atlantean. And how did police officers manage to subdue him so quickly unless he was already under control? After the attack, the nanites in Osborne's bloodstream controlled him completely. The, the nanites were the device that 
they were using for the Thunderbolt program. They're insinuating that Osborne was always in the Thunderbolt program. Continuing, he said, after the attack, the nanites in Osborne's bloodstream controlled him completely. He was unable to speak and the truth about what, unable to speak the truth about what he had been made to do. He continued to say, we have it on good authority that Mr. Osborne was later released back into Tony's custody and has been put in charge of the Thunderbolts program in Colorado. It continued on as Sally accused him. She said, you controlled the entire event, Mr. Stark. You weighed the possibility of war with Atlantis against the inevitable inevitability of costume individuals tearing the country apart. And you did what you believe had to be done. You knew how unpopular the act would be. You were the only one prepared to take the biggest gamble in history because you knew it would pay off. The very suggestion that we're going to war with Atlantis had increased the numbers of registered heroes by over 38% in the last 10 days because they're uniting against the common foe, good people at their core. You knew you would, you knew this would happen all along. You sacrificed your status as a friend, colleague, and hero for the greater good of the country. You alone understood the ramifications of such a course of action. And for that, of, uh, for that act of courage, I truly and honestly applaud you, she did sarcastically. And that's when Tony kicked them out of his office. Now, mind you, during all of this, they couldn't record any of it because his room the office that he was in doesn't allow them to record any of this. This was how Civil War Frontline ended, with Tony confronted and faced for his villainous acts that he had done throughout the entire thing. He organized and manipulated the inevitable events that were taking place. He helped push forward the Registration Act, put himself in a position of, of uh, as being the man in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I think at some point Secretary of Defense. And then he continued to, to, to make sure that everyone who participated and joined his, his hero registration were compensated with their families and other things through the overhead he was making as he was cashing in on the inevitability of these events. These are all the things that were found out about Iron Man during Civil War Fest. This was it in its entirety. This was the heroes of the Marvel Universe. That's Tony Stark during Civil War. And the only one who uncovered it was two wayward reporters that were so... Because Tony at this point was in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. So they couldn't do anything with this article. This all took place in Frontline in those eight issues? Yes. Wow. I don't This was the that. last issue of Yes. Frontline the only good comics in Civil War were Frontline, Wolverine, and What If. Every other comic was a means to shit on the characters you like. The What If had to come out many years later, because I know they started rehashing what ifs. No, no, it was oh. a what if that happened during Civil War. Really? Yes. It just it took place that. towards the end. It took place towards the end of Civil War. Hmm. What if we ended this rationally? Yeah. What if we just ended it like we would? 
because our focus is taking down the villains. They were so focused on beating each other's ass, they couldn't go after Nitro. They literally stopped one. They were literally trying to stop one hero from going after Nitro. Like they couldn't spear one hero to look for Nitro. That makes no sense. So you mean to tell me if Daredevil went after Nitro, they would have thrown everything to stop him too? Daredevil will probably get his ass kicked by Nitro, not for nothing. Unless he like blindsided him. Daredevil gets no his ass intended. kicked by everybody. That's by true. everybody. <laughs> All right. That's the point of Daredevil. He is always the underdog. Am I the Except only one that rooted for Bullseye like all the time? Like, I, yeah, you're the only one. You you, you do need to. Yeah, you, you weed. I probably need therapy <laughs> or something. Like, I was the guy rooting for Shredder, for Bluto, for Mumra, not for Skeletor, because I like T Man. But yeah. Well, I, like- I understand rooting for Mumra. These fucking cats came to his house and just started shitting on everything. Yeah, they, yo, you're <laughs> fucking shit up on like my earth. It's, it's where I live. You, you guys don't belong here. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So what are you doing here? Thanks. Yeah, so that's, that, that's basically my breakdown of a deep dive into the other angles of Civil War that no one knows about. Like, if you can, I suggest when you get a chance, go into the basement and dig up Wolverine Civil War and Frontline Civil War and read them straight through. They are, inter- they are very interesting character pieces because it's like those writers go out of their way to point out how out of character Captain America and Iron Man are. I think there was a little war in the writing box. I would not be surprised. I, you know? I've always Because wondered- I feel like they were attacking the story because they point out how Captain America is too extreme and is behaving completely outdated. Captain America, for all of his yesteryear man out of time things, he always kept up to date with things. Huh. Yeah. He brought his principles to a modern setting. He was never behind the times, but he was outdated in his mentality. He was gung ho and jargony and freaking gonzo. It was ridiculous. And Iron Man was basically Lex Luthor. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a pretty astute conclusion. And that was Marvel's Civil War. Civil War Two is a bigger piece of shit, though. Oh, uh, we, we can't even get into that with nonsense. No, I'm oh. not going to. That 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 is. Thank you for helping me get this off my chest. I'm glad. I've been help. holding on to this. And I, I mean, since you 2007. Give, you give me a fresh perspective on this. Was that how long Civil War was? Or like ago? 2007 was when it ended. Yeah. It ran to from, if I remember correctly, from 2006 to 2007. Wow. And I'm not a guy about dates. Believe it or not, I know I've been spouting dates all day, but I am not the guy about dates and issue numbers. <laughs> yeah, now I can't remember what like dates anything modern came out. You want to know a first appearance? I'll give you the issue. But other shit, just it, it doesn't compute. But wow, you give me a yeah, really so- fresh perspective on Civil War. I, you know, I I tend to read comics a lot at face value, and at the time before, uh, right before we were doing the basement show civil war apparently came out we started in 08 uh i remember reading it and i remember being wowed by spider-man revealing his secret identity and i remember being wowed by the death of captain america because for some reason it felt more permanent i i didn't like i I don't know you were in the moment of the story yeah 
and I didn't know about yeah. it. That was like before the days that the internet would really spoil shit. I'm at work. I'm getting a fucking egg and cheese sandwich, and my cousin texts me out of the blue. Now this girl does not read comments whatsoever, but she must have heard the shit on the news. She's like, my condolences for Captain America, and I'm like, what? And I look, I'm starting to look through the fucking you know news blurbs on my phone, and sure enough, I find out that Captain America gets shot and killed in the current issue that came out today, and I'm like, motherfucker. I got to get my ass to the comic shop. And I went to the comic oh, shop by work and they were sold out of it. So I had to get my ass like after work because my boss was a dick and wouldn't let me leave early for the sake of buying a comic book because he has no concept of priorities. And I had to go there <laughs> and I had to bring my boy with me to get the variant cover issue because it was one per customer. You had to choose which fucking one you wanted. So I'm like, yeah, I'm glad I customer. fucking brought you. <laughs> He bought the other one. Wow, Jesus. So the thing is, is like, all right, so I'm I, like, I was six years older and I was already, I was already um, jaded after Superman's return. Yeah. Because Superman really killed death in comics. Uh, Superman was really the first one that uh, started the revolving door. If I'm not, if, unless I'm no, off. no, the revolving door existed already. Really? It just. Yeah, yeah, it it existed. Had already. Jean Grey um, already come back by the time Superman was was killed? Jean Grey died way back in the eighties. Superman died in the nineties. Superman died in the nineties, but had Jean Grey come yeah. back before that? Jean Grey came back in the eighties. Oh, really? She, she died and came back in the eighties. So maybe she was yeah, the first that's... one to start the revolving door. No, 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 no. The revolving door has been going on since comics. <laughs> All right. I, I, I see now. This is something I, I'm gonna want Cause to get that, to. Because uh, Superman died. That wasn't the first time first. Superman died. It was. That wasn't the first time Superman died. No. Superman died before. Superman died pre-crisis too. Yeah, Superman died. All of them died. They took turns dying all the time. I used to call it the comic book vacation. Later, um, what you call what? What it was was Superman killed death in comics because they still had the illusion of writing it in a way that you made you think that death had any effect whatsoever. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Because you get caught up in the story. But because of the media coverage behind Superman and the lack of story behind his death, he really, like, they just pulled the nonsense out of their ass for no reason and killed him just to kill time. Yeah. Really. I honestly felt that even, even as a kid back then, I felt that the Doomsday story was not well established. This dude just lands and starts running amok. That's it. Okay, I had to stop it there. We I skip on ahead because uh, we go on to a big rant about the death of Superman comic book series, and I think we should do that in a later date. I have too much to say on that. But as a primer, if anyone's interested, there is... An amazing YouTube video by Max Landis on the uh, the death and rebirth of Superman. Where it's it's hilarious. Where he goes into how Superman basically killed death in comics. You know, um, it's 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 uh, it's hilariously performed because he 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 narrates while he has a bunch of his friend actors just acting out stupid versions of what was going on in the comics. And we're, we're going to go into that and it probably on a later date and go into its comparison to the animated version that came out very recently, which was, uh, the death of Superman and then 
Reign of Superman, which was basically the animated version of the comic series. And like the animated version of Under the Red Hood, it's just a better version than the one that appeared in the comics. Now, this is not a common thing, but in specific arcs where it's just handled too rushed or too gonzo, just just too gonzo, even for comics, sometimes the animations pull it back and narrow it down a little better. And uh, the, the Death of Superman and the Reign of Superman and uh, Under the Red Hood were perfect examples of that done well. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. But let me not go into this. I could save going into the deep dive on the death of Superman for another time. Oh, absolutely. Because I, w- I want to do this again with you. Yeah, this is on this the deep dive fun. of another angle of a comics. Yeah, because I remember a lot of things about the comics because I was surrounded by older people reading them. All right. You get it. Yep. Um, but next time we talk, I want to talk the original Secret War. Okay. The original Secret War. What? And I'm, I'm going to tell you. I'm glad you brought this up because I, I actually have. A, 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 I read a recent comic book that harkened back to Civil War, but go on. I'll finish your thought and then I'll, I'll tell you. That, that harkens back to Secret Wars? Yeah. No, I'm sorry. It harkens back to Secret Wars. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So I want to go into a deep dive on Secret War and talk about how that comic was about nothing. Yeah, no, that was. Like it's, No, no, I mean, like, literally nothing. There was no stakes. Nothing was going on. It was just basically a bunch of bums bumbling around on a planet. It was literally the Street Fighter of comics. That was it. it Street Fighter has more of a plot. Yes, it did. Yes. <laughs> Street Fighter had more of a plot. Be- and, and how Secret Wars was the first time, if you were a longtime comic book reader comics annoyed you with their event shit yeah because they shit on your characters <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying they shit on your characters they did have things a few like shining moments for like the hulk and dr doom but we'll, we'll say that the only shining moment was dr doom because for all of hulk holding up a billion ton mountain yeah they spent the rest of the entire civil secret wars making him incapable of beating anyone. <laughs> okay, you're right. <laughs> he was completely incapable of stopping or beating anyone. In fact, the only people who were effective fighters in the entirety of Secret Wars was Captain America and Spider-Man. Yep. So going off of the Spider-Man thing, can I, I have to recommend you a first issue that we reviewed on the Pete's Basement show just last week. Just came out. Symbiote Spider-Man issue one. I heard about this. Okay. Uh, my, my, Mike brought it up to me because he was like, what is this about? I was like, oh, it's probably a retroactive look at Spider-Man back during Secret Wars because he's not using a symbiote again. And I was right. You I've, I'm I'm not sure where the rest of the series is going to go. I'm not, I don't know if it's going to be him fighting Mysterio like through the decades kind of thing because they're gearing up for Mysterio and uh, Far From Home. But at the very That's least, the first issue takes a look at uh, Mysterio and Spider-Man fighting during when he just came home from Secret Wars and he's got the black costume. And before he realizes that it's an alien costume, okay? It took him a while to realize it was an alien costume. It did take him quite some time. Because I still think he had it by Secret Wars 2. Oh, I don't remember. I have to look at that. I have the issues, but I'd have to dig them out. 
By but, the way, Secret Wars he, 2, while it was crazier, it was technically better. I've read it, but it I only read it had a once. Plot. I don't remember it. actually it. had a plot. Give me a chance to read both of them, and then we'll do an introspective on, on the total Oh, no, series. come in blind, dude. Come really? in blind. All right. Yeah, come in blind. All right. But I, I got yeah. I gotta tell you about I this. Was Peter David wrote some of the best lines. I don't remember him ever writing Spider-Man before. And he wrote some of the best lines in Symbiote Spider-Man issue one, where the black cat... Let me tell you something right now. Mm-hmm. Anything Peter David ever wrote, go look it up and read it. You will enjoy it. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> he pokes yeah. fun at shit that is so obvious. Like... Black Cat sneaks into Peter Parker's apartment. They got to go, and it's like Uncle Ben Day, whatever, like the day he got killed or something. So he's going to go meet Aunt May at the cemetery. Black Cat's with him, and uh, they elect to have her come with him, meet the family whatnot. So he's like, hey, watch this. And he just does this, like, fucking pose, and the costume, you know, slinks across the floor, comes up, all, like, around him, and forms this, like, little turtleneck thing with a blazer and whatnot. And she's like, holy shit, how the fuck did it do that? And he's like, yeah, this responds to my mental command. She's like, it's alive. He's like, no, 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 it's just alien technology. She's like, no, it's obviously alive. He's like, no, it can't possibly be alive. She's like, no, this costume's alive, dude. And, like, they're poking fun at it. Like, it's fucking clearly alive. And he's like, nah. And I'm well, laughing my ass off at this point because I'm like, you know, when you when you really put it that way, when you're looking at what the costume did before you realize it's alive, you should have realized it's alive. Yeah. <laughs> I highly recommend this issue. I never thought that I would actually like it, and I found myself thoroughly enjoying it. Go. Anything Peter David ever wrote is always good, and his best issues are the talky ones. It's true, because he does yeah. talky good as opposed to... Because, look, Pete, you're going to find this hit you. You're going to find this hit you that you've read comics long enough that you've seen every single way these guys can punch somebody in the face. Yeah. That becomes not interesting after a while. Like, the most interesting thing I've seen out of Superman in recent years was him raising a son. That was brilliant. Super Sons is a really good book. Surprise. And Bendis came and fucked it all up. I'm sorry, man. Yes, he did the original yeah, he came and fucked it up because Damien's an asshole is great. Yes, an asshole. that that like people need to pay more attention to the writers that make changes that are worth a damn. And the other reason why I like Symbiote Spider Man is because it's an example of how comics should be by now. Mm-hmm. We have a set history for these guys. Let's lock down a time and and immortalize them in these time periods. And then go back and do stories that take place in these time periods. You could do that endlessly. Yeah. Because that's what you're doing. Instead of rehashing old stories, just go back to the old story. Yeah, you're right. Like they like they do in mythology. They do in all sorts of fiction. Go back to the old. They've been doing that for with Conan for ages. You know where Conan begins. You know where he ends. And they keep fitting in more stories in between. You're right, because, I mean, the man's got a whole lifetime, so why not? You you can definitely squeeze some shit in there. And yeah. do, have you been reading the Conan from Marvel lately? Which one? The first time he was in Marvel or no? No, 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 the new one. Okay, because I was, because uh, uh, Nate was complaining that Conan's going to Marvel. I was like, again? Dude, I, was me and Ramon <laughs> said the same shit, and 
lo and behold, never in my life did I think that, that I was, the transition from Dark Horse to Marvel was like, what the fuck are they gonna ruin? Yo, it's good, bro. It, of course it is. They, they wrote Conan good. before Dark Horse even, I believe it. They wrote Conan before Dark Horse was even a thing. Yeah, right. I mean, Dark, ain't it funny how some of them what ifs is going up in price now? Like, what if Jane Foster was four? And I was like, ah, oh, I could have bought that for two dollars, and now it's. I had that. Yeah, you should sell that. I had that. My like, I, I'll go into this another time, but I really think, because now we're meandering. I really think we're talking like commentaries that now. That's what happened. Yeah. I really think that instead of uh, Jane Foster taking over the mantle of Thor, they should have took a step back and did what I keep saying. Use fucking Valkyrie! Just do something with her! Alright, so with that said, we've meandered long enough. I'm just gonna cut it off here. See ya! Later, I will see ya later. Bye bye, hater. I will see ya later. Bye bye, see y'all later. So yeah, towards the end, I go on a little bit of a rant there, and I, I try to calm that down as much as possible. But like, like Pete of the basement has said, it's like comic geeks, we go off on tangents pretty roughly. Anyway, um, as you know, throughout this, I was been filling the footnotes with a couple of little beats, segueing into these little footnotes, just to explain what we're talking about. It excessively made this episode longer than usual but i think it was necessary because uh when pete and i start talking we talk as if everyone who's listening is in the know of what we're saying so this fills in a little bit of gaps uh to do something different i was going to replay the ending music by ko he provided most of the music that we put in this episode and all the closing music that we put at the end of our episode every time. He doesn't do our intro music. That's done by Free Kitchen, provided by us, provided to us by uh, great guys at Thunderstruck Studios. Um, but I'm going to give KO a good shout out and give you the full run of this closing song. See you later. Rona, think I give a fuck about a hater When I'm out here doing things major I don't give a fuck about a little ass hater I'm like bye-bye, see y'all later Think I give a fuck about a hater Shit, I'm out here trying to get this paper Too small time, I'm thinking major I could care less when I'm doing my thing Shit, I'm feeling like a squad Feeling like a team Feeling like a whole entire baseball league Feeling like nobody fucking with me Still Lil Dolo, running around solo Ain't nobody touching me, ain't nobody fucking with me Trust me, I'm just playing my position Need to listen, take heed nigga Take a rain check if you tryna fuck with me Ain't nobody getting under my skin Can't nobody try to break my wind I'm too strong, sorta like a hurricane I'm so insane, get up out of my way Think I give a fuck about a hater When I'm out here trying to get this paper I'm doing my thing, getting real major I wave bye-bye, see y'all later I will see you later
bye-bye, hater, I will see you later, bye-bye, see y'all later. Man, what's up, niggas, wave high to the haters, all I gotta say is bye-bye, see you later. I ain't got no time for the haters, time costs money, so why give you paper? So I wave bye to the haters, 99 palms, but the haters not one and freaking at them up, fuck that, fuck you. Matter of fact, let's add another one, uh Multiply by who wanna get at me I see y'all wanna verbally attack me Wanna hurt me real badly All I do is shut the curtains in my Maybach Yeah, and I see where the hate at So I stay strapped, New York don't play that Way by nigga, and I lay back I don't worry about a hater, I just way back Nigga give a fuck about a hater When I'm out here trying to get this paper I'm doing my thing, getting real major I wait bye-bye, see y'all later I will see you later Bye-bye, hater I will see you later Bye-bye, see y'all later Fuck all these niggas is talking about I'm making moves what you telling me? I'm just trying to get mine in the NYC But it's hard when they hitting on me So I wave bye-bye while I'm climbing To the top all the way, get behind me Nobody is uniting Everybody too busy, hating and fighting Any comments, save it for the blog I'm a blur while y'all niggas all jog You on foot, I'm pushing pedals in the car Mad at me cause I quit my job See? I could just care less I'm sipping from the holy grail, keep walking Jump off nigga, hop off him Keep talking, that snail's in your coffin Nigga give a fuck about a hater When I'm out here trying to get this paper I'm doing my thing, getting real major I wait bye-bye, see y'all later I will see you later Bye-bye, hater I will see you later, bye-bye, see y'all later.